The DIA is the only national professional body that champions the value of all design and the impact of our designers. Its purpose is to help designers prosper by providing knowledge, thought leadership, access and inclusivity. Head to design.org.au for more information about becoming a member of the DIA. The DIA acknowledges the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, giving respect to Elders past, present and future as the continuous custodians of the land upon which the DIA National Office is located. We thank all continuing custodians of this land who share their wisdom and knowledge so that we may all have a better understanding of this place, now known as Australia. Arendt and Pike is a Sydney-based design practice formed by Juliet Arendt and Sarah Jane Pike encompassing interior architecture and design with a unique focus on the decorative arts. Since the formation of the practice in 2007, Arendt and Pike have fine-tuned their philosophy around what it means to make a space sing. While they've created a multi-award winning practice and at the respect of their industry peers, the value they bring remains in the emotional connections they create and how those in turn drive aesthetic and practical decisions. From Sydney, we welcome Sarah Jane. Where are you joining us from today? Uh, I'm at home in Sydney in Randwick, so leafy Randwick, just up from the beaches and still doing a lot of work from home, mostly because I've injured my knee. So the officer is pretty much back in full swing, but I'm still dipping in and out. So I feel like I'm having an extended COVID break. So Sarah Jane, you're talking, um, because I know you've done the DIA dialogue tour. Maybe if we just jump right in, because I could tell your eyes lit up as soon as we mentioned it. So can you tell us just biggest takeouts from it or did it change the way you worked? I think the most surprising thing about it was just how much I enjoyed the camaraderie of being with other designers and talking design and living and breathing it 24 hours a day. I think as designers, we've all been on holidays with our families and partners where we've dragged them to look at things and sort of stood in museums and, you know, ogled marble doorways and things. And it was just nice to be in this group of kindred spirits. So we were sort of drawing each other's attention to different things. We had beautiful cross disciplines in our group too, in product, in events, in interiors, commercial, residential. So we had sort of this lovely kind of tangled mess of different viewpoints that was really fun to unpick and and sort of learn from. Uh, so I think that was that was definitely the highlight of the whole thing and it just sort of was the, the gloss that, that made the whole thing shine for me. In terms of how it changed practice, I think it was just really good to see other designers because we go into the offices and see all those practices, watching what's a bit like what you do and what's really different to what you do. Certainly the Tokyo practices were really different, you know, culturally and and work hours and the way people were sardined into the offices in some of them. But we saw a lot of model making. We saw a lot of hands-on techniques. We saw a lot of, of kind of practical practice and making and I think that was really inspiring and interesting to all the Australian designers to just feel like you want to get hands-on and and start touching and feeling things and get away from the screens a bit. Did you come home and start making models? I'm not a model maker. I do not have that kind of patience. My models at uni were, you know, they they were not pretty. I'm a much more, uh, yeah, but I do, I do play. I do really play with things. So I think in our studio, we're always playing with the the physical materials and that's such a big part of what we do. And I think that's one of the hardest things about all of the working from home was not having our libraries and our tools kind of at hand and having things that you could 
pull together. I think you just grab so much inspiration from the things that you hold on to. So it was that was really challenging. But yeah, I'm definitely not a model maker. But we saw some extensively beautiful libraries in some of the practices. And I have been buying a lot more books since we got home and, you know, really pushing the practice to be looking at books and, and you know, their art books and sculpture and fashion and materiality and architecture and design, but really broadening that library and starting to look at books. I think when you go down the Pinterest hole, you know, you see more of the same thing over and over and over. And the way to diversify your viewpoint is actually to look at these broader sources. So I think that's actually been something I've always loved, but it was really nice to see that and to think, yeah, that's right. I am going to push the big library in the office. And, and that has definitely developed since then. That's fantastic. And sometimes, you know, traveling, it's it's what you see, but also the discussions that come about from what you see and that continuing dialogue. Has the conversation continued with the group that you went with? Do you still catch up and, and have those conversations? We do. I mean, we were the bubble before the travel bubble. So we've, we've still got a WhatsApp group going very regularly and lots of lovely chat and support and just, yeah, it's been, been gorgeous. Really, really nice. And it's so nice that you're spread through many cities as well. Yeah. So it's not just a localised group. Yeah. And so what do you have on your drawing board or computer screen at the moment? Today I've got to finish signing off drawings on a big home, big family home on the northern side of the harbour, up, up near Taronga Zoo actually. So that's a really beautiful big family home we've been working on for a while. It's in construction and we're signing off a big drawing package today. We've just been shooting a whole lot of work because we've had a big lapse, I think, in getting in and doing photography. So it's been really nice revisiting some of the projects. Juliet and I are working on a book of our work, which will come out with Thames and Hudson next year. So that's been a really nice process of reflecting on some of the projects and then shooting all the new work and 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 sort of seeing, I guess, a narrative and a story through the work, which has been really nice to do. So that's definitely a big chunk of what's on my desk at the moment. And has that, it's amazing that you're going to do a book. I can see it being a bestseller. <laughs> In reflecting on the 10 years of your practice, or more so, sorry, more than 10 years starting in 2007, has that given you sort of a narrative arc to your work? Have you seen the evolution? Yeah, I, I think we definitely have seen the evolution and I do think it's hard to see it from the inside and, and doing the book makes you kind of step outside and have a look at the work in that way. We know that, you know, the things that have always really inspired us still do. So when we started the practice for Juliet and I, it was always about spirit, colour, energy, things feeling dynamic, things feeling interesting and unexpected and joyful and I would say that that very much carries through all of the work and probably the way we express that has gotten bolder and braver and the clients that come on that journey have gotten bolder and braver and so the work certainly moves but I think that underlying kind of spirit has always been with us and definitely still is our number one kind of guiding force you know we feel like what we want to create for people is is joy in their homes and you do that by solving all of the practical problems and all of those things, but it's actually that joyfulness that we still really want. So that's, I think, the underpinning of everything. And you started just with the two of you working together. How has the practice evolved and how have you evolved your roles within the practice? Have you divided sort of tasks and processes? So, yes, started as just the two of us in 2007. So we're We've just closed out the 14th year and, you know, the book will come out for year 15, which feels really nice. 
Over the years, the team has grown with us and we're a full group of 13 at the moment. One of the key players in that team is Genevieve Romas, who's recently become a design director in the practice and she's been with us for nine years now. So the three of us really do the creative direction of all the projects. So Juliet and I are obviously creative directors of the whole practice. Genevieve works with us as a design director on a lot of the projects. And then we've got a team of beautiful senior designers and, and more junior designers and a great admin team. So we've learnt to kind of build the support side of the business has been really, really important. So we have a practice manager, Lauren, who really manages the business development. She keeps all of the teams on track. She keeps the resourcing going. I feel like that's been a major, that was a major turning point for Juliet and I to do less business development and more just creative work. Um, so I think that that's been a really nice turn in the in the cycle, actually, because for a few years you work, you know, you do all the creative work and then you have years where you just do all the business building and, and working with the team and working with the new clients. And, and now it feels like we're coming back around and we get to do much more creative work because we've built that team structure that can support all the creative work. So that's a really nice place to be in, actually. That's so bold and brave, like that, like... Hi, like um, promoting a design director when you both are CD and then handing over to a practice manager. It, to me, it's like, it sounds like him because we're, I work in, my husband and I have, you know, and we work together, I have an agency and like it sounds joyous because I'm like, yes, thank you. I wouldn't mind passing off all of that and all of that. But then at the same time, I'm like, but who would be in, I would not be in charge of everything. It's how he's so brave. <laughs> I, I actually agree with that. It is really brave. I won't say we're perfect at it. I'm sure when Lauren hears this, she'll be like, but she's still hanging on to things. But we really respect those people. We've had such great people in the business and that has made all the difference. And I think we also got to the point where we were like, to keep going, to keep up this joy and interest and energy and to keep giving that back to clients year after year and to keep doing the work, we need the business to also support us as people and, you know, our kids and our lives and all the things that are going on in the background and to keep up that energy, you, you need the business to transform with you and it has to keep moving forward. So that's something I think we've recognised. And look, the move, those those couple of moves have been really brave. They have been challenging. They have been confronting at times, but the results and the benefits are definitely outweigh all of that. That's amazing. And if we look at your work, you know, it's both sort of sculptural and playful and yet considered and thoughtful. How, how do you balance the two in developing the designs and creating a vision for each space? I think we have sort of the undercurrent of timelessness, of things that work hard. We really, because we work with a lot of families, we talk a lot about longevity. We talk a lot about practicality. So we have, I think that becomes this kind of basis and core. If it doesn't work well, if the planning doesn't flow, if it doesn't make your life easy, then the beauty and the joy and all those things can't be felt. So I think that's that kind of very considered layer, which is very thoughtful and is very involved with clients in terms of how they structure their lives and how we think it could be a little bit better sometimes. And then, you know, what's that thing that then lifts all of those moments and makes them feel extraordinary? So I think that those two layers are always there. 
And do you think by digging into the client's needs and, and understanding their vision for their life as well, is that through going through an extensive briefing process? How do you, you know, how do you understand their lives? I think the briefing process is key, critical. There's often, you know, clients will often tell you what they're not happy with. You know, you might walk through the house or talk about the previous home and say, this didn't work and that didn't work and this didn't work. And then you've got to guide them on a journey where they start thinking about what would be the ideal and what they would really love it to be like. And that can be challenging because all of us are limited by what we know and by what we've seen. So it is our role to do that, I think, as designers to take clients to this next level of, of where things could be or how they could be because they may have never experienced that and so or, or even dreamed of it. So it's it's definitely listening and listening and listening and listening, but then it's certainly feeding back and then listening again. Yeah, I do think we have a role which is vision and elevating that vision. And how do you communicate that vision to the client when you're coming back to them? You've, you've done all your listening. You've got some solutions. How do you get them on board? I think that's a really well-honed, practised tool. So you've got the two parts. One is the visual and you've got to create something, you know, extraordinary for them to see and be excited by. But you have to have the narrative and the understanding to back that up in the words that you use and the way that you speak to people it's certainly both. I mean, we've had a huge challenge the last two years with doing all of this work online and not being in the room with people. And you can see, you guys, how much I use my body when I talk. So, you know, that's been really hard for me that I feel like we have this really expressive relationship with people when you're in a room and when you're on screen, it's much harder to get that across. But we've learned some amazing kind of digital skills through this, which has been great as well. So I do think that I think reading people's body language is really important. So when you're in a meeting and the clients, are, you're talking and you see that look and you think, oh, I've lost her. She doesn't No, this is not going down the right path or they're not understanding or something's gone wrong here. Being able to tack back and pivot and keep people engaged. And we feed clients. We usually feed people. I like to have feed them. Uh, we do good healthy snacks. We'll have nuts, berries, good cup of tea, a good coffee. You know, hospitality, I think, is really yeah. important part of what we yes. do, isn't it? You know, yes, absolutely. so making people feel comfortable. And, but yes, certainly long meetings involve lunch. <laughs> yes, I love it. That's a really, I think that's so overlooked now. And especially now that we're online as well, like our accountant doesn't even send us a thank you card. And I'm like, how much money do I need to spend with you? Like, Send me a, at least an individually wrapped Mentos. <laughs> you know, I shocks me. We learnt this from some of our clients early on. We've had a lot of Jewish clients over the years, and hospitality is such a big cultural element in the Jewish community. And you can't go to a client's house and them not have a spread, a glass of water, a cup of tea. I had a client who used to bring a coffee machine to the building site so that he could make us a coffee because, you know, it was really important. And I think receiving that really taught us something. It was very early in the practice and thinking, gosh, that was lovely. That was It's so nice to be received into someone's home like that. And when people come into the office, they're in your home and you want to give them that hospitality. And I think that's just it's just a really nice warm way to be with people it's so human yeah absolutely this podcast was made with the support of Dulux. head to dulux.com.au forward slash colors for your insider scoop on what's new emerging and upcoming in the wild world of color 
Explore the 2022 Duolux Color Forecast color palettes to discover the trends set to influence color and design for the coming year. And if you look at um, your life as a designer and, you know, the, the balancing the practice and life, how do you, how does that fit? How, how does your life work? So the practice is pretty all-consuming or it can be. And I think each of us, you know, as business owners, you have that responsibility to, to manage it in some way and not let it consume you. And at times that's easier than others. Personally, I try and get in the ocean. I try and get out every morning before work. I try and be in the world before I'm in the office, you know, when that's possible. It's not every day, but a lot. And I think we have built a really healthy culture in our office. It's been really intentional from the beginning. And I think it's something nice that I guess the age we were and the time we started and, you know, we looked at each other and said, let's have a place where everybody can work but go out and live their life and work doesn't swallow you whole so even though you have that business owner 24 7 stuff going on we keep really regular hours in the office people don't work late at night we don't do any of that kind of which i think is really problematic in the industry absolutely so we made a really conscious choice and we run the practice very much that way and we make that clear to everybody that you know long hours are not just not expected, but then they're not allowed, like they're unacceptable. And, you know, we just try and keep it light. We try and keep it interesting for us. And I think that is constantly evolving. Mm. How did you manage that over the lockdown with a team of 13, like like connectivity-wise? So we did a morning huddle every day on Zoom. Every morning around 9, 9.15, somebody would start. If, if you're there, you're there. Most mornings you'd get most people. And... Then, you know, the calendar was just zoomed out all day, wasn't it? Like it was just really long. But that morning, that morning chat was really important. And then within our team structure, each of the teams had their own huddles and chats. But, yeah, just checking in every day with everyone. And, you know, you could see some days there was wet hair or there was no, you know, T-shirt on, there was a few blurry eyes or but it doesn't matter. No, it's great. You get to see inside everyone's sort of life in a way. All the kids, all the dogs, oh. all the, you know, all yeah. the everybody was in there it was nice actually it is it's very yeah. humanizing in itself yeah in terms of sustainability just sort of changing tack a little bit here but in terms of sustainability have you threaded that into your work into your designs and your approach it's definitely something we're working more and more on as a practice it's not something that we've had a high focus on from the start personally though Juliet and I are both really conscious of sustainability and we have a lot of designers in the practice who are also really personally connected so one of the ways that we see that in our part of the industry is that we look to do adaptation where we can and we really focus on the kind of quality and integrity of the things that we are purchasing because we know that's part of our work. It just is. But we really look to that quality, integrity, longevity of everything that we're bringing into a project. For us, over the last couple of years, we've shifted to really thinking about, you know, hand in hand, sustainability and health, both human health and obviously planetary health, but really thinking about health in the home, how the materials and finishes, the things we're bringing into the house are creating a toxic load on us, mm. what we can do with airflow, great natural light, and just really talking to clients about that and really thinking about 
the other facets of your life at home. It's certainly not just how it looks and it's also how it functions, but it's also your health. And we're spending so much time at home that I think people are really starting to to understand that, that your environment can have a direct impact on you mentally, emotionally, but also physically. Mm, absolutely. And in terms of, you know, the future trends, <clears throat> obviously sustainability is a big part of that, but how do you see our home evolving in the future? Uh, we definitely think that this this combination of thinking about the health of the planet and the health of people is really the future of everything we're going to be doing in our industry and beyond. And thinking about the home as, you know, we like to think about the home as the place where you are connected to the people that you love, to yourself, to it's, it's this place, it's the seed, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And so the better you can be there, the more you can take out into the world. So it is a really important foundation for community, culture, all of those things actually start in the home. So it's, I think that's actually the the part of living and designing homes that we're going to be more and more focused on in the future as designers. When you were mentioning the retrospective book, um, 15 year anniversary book, um, which I don't know if that's its secret working title, just um, but the book that you guys are producing for next year, what was it like going back and revisiting older projects and older clients, like former clients and the projects to find out? It's like a time machine. Like, how, yeah. what was that like? Well, we haven't photographed old projects again, if that makes sense. So it's not that kind of retrospective, but we've just been looking at the work from that time. It, ha- it has been fascinating. We've been working with a writer, Fiona Daniels, who's going to do the, um, is doing all the writing for the book with us. And her questions have been really interesting and insightful. And I think, you know, she's asked us things like, so is that the first time you did a dark bedroom? We're like, oh, yeah, that was the first time we did a dark bedroom. Or, you know, so thinking through some of those milestones of, of things that were brand new that we now do a lot you know, that we take we take for granted almost. The first coloured kitchen and the first very dark bedroom and the first, you know, big curtain with a satin edge. And so that's been really fun. It's been fun to kind of chronicle some of those turning point moments and look at some of the, the milestones. The one that won't be in the book is the Alex Hotel and that was a real milestone for us, but the book will be residential. So it's it's not going to feature, but that that's definitely been a real key project for us in the past. So yeah. I was going to mention the Alex Hotel because I was lucky enough to stay there when it sort of opened yeah. and, I, you know, it was a revelation. It was such a successful project. It was such a human space. It's so lovely to be in. And you yeah. could see all of this residential influence coming into hotel design and it really shook up the industry. Everyone looked at it and was like, wow. And you can see how, how uh, what a milestone it was perhaps for not only your practice but also the hotel industry and that sort of thinking. How did people respond to that project? to your practice. Those are very kind words, Catherine. Thank you. But yeah, the response was overwhelming, I think. And for us, it was the first time anything we'd done was public and people could respond to it. And we were hearing from lots of lovely people in the industry who would just drop us a line and say, oh, I've just stayed at the Alex. Guys, this is great. I've loved it. That was so, so gorgeous. And we got to stay there ourselves, which rarely happens as well, that you get to go and spend time at a, a property that you've worked on. So we've we've all stayed there quite a bit. I've stayed there quite a bit. I've got family in Perth and went back there a few times. And um, it is joyous to stay there. I really enjoy it. I really enjoy visiting. So that has been, yeah, it's been really nice to have that in the in the background. We've just done a big commercial project 
and that's our first uh, larger scale commercial project. So we've done the new headquarters for VitaGlow and VitaGlow Ingestible Beauty, Collagen and um, other products. And that's been a real milestone turning point for them as a business and that's been really exciting to be a part of. And, again, it's that that part of it where it you go on to see its life. You don't go on to see the lives of your clients every morning brushing their teeth, but we go on to see the life of a commercial space. So, you know, the Vita Glow founders post on Instagram almost every day from the office of a yoga class going or someone doing a gym session in the wellness space we designed and people using the collagen bar and people using the kitchen. And, and I find that just so satisfying, such a nice thing to see your work progress and be used and be enjoyed. That's so lovely. And it's so interesting that the, you know, your residential focus has bled into both commercial spaces, but also, you know, hospitality spaces. In terms of your residential projects, do you find that um, because we're now working from home so much, has the workplace bled into the your residential work? It's an interesting question. I think it's definitely that it goes in the other direction in terms of design influence. I feel like the idea of being more comfortable at work is bigger than being more business-like at home. So I think it's, I, I do feel it's in that direction that the residential really is still influencing commercial and hospitality design. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> And in terms of the last two years and the impact of COVID, has your practice evolved? Has your approach changed in a response to that? We've had to evolve our processes, certainly. So we've had to become more digital. We've had to, you know, finally put up a screen in the meeting room, which we've never had things like that before. We've always been papers on tables and beautiful fabrics. And so we've had to move into that digital sphere of presenting. I think that's been a great challenge for everybody, actually. And it's given us some awareness of how transferable what we do is from a local to a more international scale. And that obviously opens up things in your mind about, hey, I could be anywhere. We've certainly managed a project in Perth this year remotely. We've managed projects in Sydney that we can't go and see. So, and we've had a, a big project finish in New Zealand that we we managed to duck in and have a quick visit in June before the borders closed again. But we managed that also remotely. And that, you know, it's been challenging, but it's been good to see what is actually possible and to work out how to deputise some local help and to get, you know, to get some feet on the ground. And all of that has worked quite well for us. Mm-hmm. It's in a way where we're so connected that we can be anywhere at any time and the, the, there's a sense of freedom perhaps behind that that yeah. it's given us. I think it's definitely given me that sense of freedom and I think for our team everybody's felt the flexibility, although, you know, we know it's a double-edged sword and we've all found it like let's get out of our houses. But the flexibility has been pretty amazing and I find myself thinking, oh, well, maybe in January I'll be at the beach house or, you know, rent a house and and still work. It could it could be done, couldn't it, you know. So it's that's definitely opened things up even for how we collaborate that we don't feel like we need to always be together. Uh, the last few weeks going into the office have felt really almost frenetic with the like the buzzing energy of everybody in the same space. And I think we've all got used to a calmer workspace. So yeah, there's definitely a balancing to be found in that. And it seems like you almost you value your presence when you're physically with someone so much. You know, we, we can all be remote, but when we do actually get together, it's so it's so valued. Yeah, it absolutely is. It's been nice to have a birthday cake with the team and do a few nice things as well. And in terms of the future, you know, what's next? What is your, would you have a dream project? 
Look, there's a few dream projects. I think um, a dream project for us is something that's going to combine this idea of sustainability, health and wellness, big greenfield site somewhere where we can build something with community. I think that's that would be really exciting. That would be really exciting. So that's something we're kind of out there with our noses up looking for something to, you know, mm. um, be a part of because I think – I think we are interested in these bigger collaborations. I mean, we see some of the stuff that's happening down in Melbourne with housing is so interesting and it's not really happening up here in Sydney. So trying to work some of those models up here would be interesting. You know, we just love working with great architects and great architecture and, and great clients. So we're pretty happy with that. And you seem to work um, so closely with some fabulous architects and the collaboration seemed to be seamless in a way. You look at the end result and it's it's all so beautifully aligned and considered. How do you how how do you work that partnership? Yeah, with great consideration. I, I think knowing that in the end everybody's working for the same client and that includes your builder and your joiner and everybody on board. So always being in of, of the mindset that we're all here for one purpose and one final result. So if we're talking about your bit or my bit, it's sort of irrelevant. It's actually one whole project. So I think that's really critical to the way we think about our contribution to a project. And then we just find it endlessly fascinating and inspiring to work with people. So we love it and we make it as easy for everybody as possible. Sometimes there are you know, some tensions, yeah. but we try and make it as easy for, as pe for people as possible. Most often we're brought on because a client really wants us as part of the project. So that is when we'll really work hard to make ourselves a valued part of that team. Yeah, that's great. And a bit of push-pull is, is not a bad thing sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I just wanted to ask if you have a signature Dulux wash couple they change over the years isn't that interesting how do you feel that I feel that yeah. they've changed over the years so for many years we were a natural white crew certainly uh, my place is half antique white USA that's probably my nice soft white but we do lots of things at the moment we're doing a lot of tints and tones so we're doing a lot of creamier tones tea stained kind of walls we've just done a room you know walls and ceiling in bongo drum it's a beautiful kind of fleshy pinky color uh so yeah and we do a lot of dulux greens with spanish olive is probably one of our top picks where we do a lot of spanish olive it's a chameleon it's green it's gray it's blue it does all sorts of things so we've got a lot of favorites actually <laughs> Awesome. And that fashion colour play, that feels very much a signature part of your work as well. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's one of our, you know, we, we love colour personally, both Juliet and I are really obsessed with colour and combinations of colour and how colour interacts, you know, different colours interact and interact with the materials and the light and the, and the surroundings of the space. So, you know, sort of conjuring up those colour schemes on site is really critical to us. I think that would have been almost impossible without site visits. I don't, I, I could never confidently just hand over a paint schedule. I think it is all about being in a space and really working with the the light and the other elements in the space. And it's something we just really love. So it's it's definitely something we pay a lot of attention to. 
Can you talk to us about any new or fresh talent you've spotted out there, artists, designers that you're interested in working with or attracted to? Uh, look, I personally am just mad for textiles. So I love seeing a lot of the new textile design that's coming through. I love seeing anything that's hand painted. Anna Spiro's done a beautiful range and she's just done something with de Gournay, which is just, you know, sumptuous and heavenly. It's lovely to see that love ceramics. So we do a lot of ceramic work and we generally we're sourcing from either Planet Furniture in Sydney, work with a lot of local ceramicists in the Blue Mountains and in the sort of wider Sydney area. So we see some really beautiful pieces come through their hands, work with some of the smaller galleries as well, who tend to have more of those handmade objects. Can you tell us a bit more about the new textiles that you're seeing coming through? Is that to do with fabric technology or patterns and colours? Look, I love seeing the old methods being made new. So there's a lot of really beautiful block printing, I think, coming through. And, you know, Walter G, who are based in Australia as well, they do these really beautiful block prints with these very traditional techniques. But I think their colour combinations and their their play on colour is very contemporary. So I love seeing that kind of interface. Of course, there's great new technology in fabric, but I'm just like a linen girl, you know, give me a great linen or a beautiful woolen weave and I'm happy. So I think it's hard to, for me, it's hard to get excited about the technical aspect of those new fabrics. Yeah. How many linens can you have? I don't know, but like never too many, as many as you can get. You'll find out. (laughs) (laughs) That's That's fantastic. Thank you so much for your time. Oh, and sharing your practice and and how you work that's so it's so fascinating to get some insight into your approach and you know just how you balance your life as well and approach life yeah it's challenging but we do our best hey mm. <laughs> don't we all <laughs> thanks guys really nice thank to meet you. you both yes that thank was you. wonderful thank you, thank you.